The new year is here, and we think it's bound to be tough on investor nerves. Here's what matters. Here at the New York Life Investments Home Office in New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes our income builder and asset allocation funds, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of January 6, 2020. 2020. We have a new year and a new view on life. That's right. Today, we will interrupt our normal programming to share our views on the economy and markets for 2020. There's a lot to think about. Is recession on its way? Will investors struggle to find yield forever and ever? And of course, what does all of it mean for investor portfolios? Every year, when we think about the year that was and the year that will be, we have one key certainty— there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Of course, we don't have a crystal ball to see into the future, but we've identified three key investment themes, which we'll share with you today. Let's get started. We have three main topics in our 2020 outlook, the economy, valuations, and the path of interest rates. Those are really big themes, so we're going to do our best to walk you through them. LG, why don't you get us started with the first one? The economy. All right, the economy. So I'll start with how things feel right now at the turn of the year. As we close 2019, lots of investors were starting to see green shoots in the economy, and some elements do look really good. The labor market is strong, consumers are spending, and financial conditions are favorable. I sense a but coming. You got me. There is a but, and it's a kind of a big one, the business economy. Data revisions throughout 2019 showed us that economic profits have been decelerating since 2015. That means if you strip away the tax cuts and accounting measures companies use to get to earnings, then real profits are lower. That leaves companies with less buffer to handle risks. Got it. That light buffer is why we're less optimistic than some. So how do we implement that view into a portfolio? The view on profits is important for portfolios in a few ways. First, from a top-down perspective, margins are the core component of profit growth, which is in turn a driver of equity returns. If companies struggle to generate cash, then valuations can fall and defaults can rise. That makes a lot of sense to me. If I think about a business, let's say a lemonade stand, if I'm crushing it, I maybe will want to increase my orders, streamline the production process, maybe hire some friends to help me run more locations, and who knows, I might get some investors who'll take interest in capturing my growth and my success. But if I'm not making as much money, If I'm making less money, I may not be able to reinvest in my business or hire more people, especially if the cost of labor is getting expensive. That's a perfect example, except I'm not sure that I invest in your lemonade stand no matter how good it is. But, But if companies can't grow revenues and can't streamline their businesses or invest, then that can create a drag on their earnings and as you roll it all up, economic growth as well. Okay, okay. Let's tie this back into portfolio management. How else do we think about corporate profits when we're investing? The ability to grow margins is a major differentiator in company performance, which means it should impact which stocks and bonds investors pick. So investment managers that are equipped to assess companies on their margin-generating capabilities will be an asset for investors. Investment always involves risks, but when the economy is slowing, you need to manage for it even more carefully. Let me recap our theme one, 
which is all about economic growth. There's no recession, but a slowing economy where light cycle corporate profits are a big red flag. That's a risk for equities. And so investors probably can't count on broad equity market gains. Instead, they'll have to be more selective and consider working with active managers. A-plus summary. I couldn't Ooh. have said it better myself. So let's move on to our second theme then, which is valuations. Robert, I'll let you take this one. What's the main takeaway from our valuations theme? Well, valuations are super important. Our work suggests that they are usually a poor short-term timing indicator, but the single most important determinant of long-term investment returns. So if we think the economy is going to slow, which is what we think for 2020, then we would favor removing exposure to riskier assets like equities. Are valuations saying the same thing? Valuations, much like the economy, are sending us mixed signals. Intrinsic measures make stocks look expensive. But here's the thing. Relative valuations or a comparison of valuations across different asset classes suggests that risk may still be better rewarded in equities. But we're not advising investors to double down on equities in our outlook. That's right. The bull market's been going on for a long time and it's likely to continue. But we think that these valuations are extremely fragile to shifting economic expectations. Okay, that makes sense. So last year, equity prices moved up a lot, but earnings declined from around 8% forecast to more like 0% reality throughout 2019. That's right. So looking forward, you might be concerned that prices can't move up a whole lot further or that earnings, which are expected to be like 10% growth this year, might disappoint again. Exactly. Basically, all the equity gains were driven by valuation increases. And so just like our economic theme, we're asking investors to be more selective. With interest rates so low, some companies are existing without making any money. And so traditional approaches like just invest in the S&P 500 or just invest in value stocks probably aren't going to cut it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Break that down a little bit. So if the bull market continues to expand so we don't get a big correction this year, that means we have to think about investment styles differently? Well, yeah. And I'm cheating a little bit because I incorporated part of our third theme on interest rates into my previous example. But the economy's slowing valuations high and relative valuations mixed leaves us to prefer companies that have good fundamentals and stable cash flows instead of just a specific category. Okay, that makes sense. But since you cheated, we should probably talk <laughs> about lower interest rates. And I really like this theme, our Me third too. theme, because over the course of 2019, it became top of mind for investors across all different sizes and styles. If you're about to retire or planning to retire way in the future or managing long-dated liabilities, it doesn't really matter. Low yield makes your job a lot more interesting. How so? Well, think about a traditional balanced portfolio whether it's 60-40 or 80-20 or whatever best matches your risk tolerance. If 20 or 40 or 60% of your portfolio is now yielding 2% or 3% instead of what used to be 4% or 5%, you're going to either, either save a lot more money or invest a lot more aggressively. And that's a really tough reality for investors. That's really tough. But there are some ways that yields could move higher in the future, right? Definitely, but most long-term data and economic conditions point to lower-for-longer interest rates being the most likely path forward. We've discussed this with our boutique managers, and it seems to be a pretty pervasive concern. This sounds like a bad horror movie. Trapped 
in a low-yield world. <laughs> Hopefully not low-yield all the time. I'm sure we'll have short-term bouts of higher or lower yields, but it's probably safe to say that the next 10 years will have lower yields than the pre-crisis period. So what can investors do in this difficult environment? For most investors, protecting your principal is usually more important than timing any given risk or big economic theme. Instead of investing in riskier assets to make up for lost yield, investors might need to save more. Okay, so they have to save more, but what can they do from an asset allocation perspective? It's a good point, and there's several things that investors could do. One of them is to diversify sources of yield or the ways that you bring cash into portfolios. So instead of focusing only on bonds, you could look at a higher allocation to assets like real estate or yield-focused equities or higher yield corporate bonds if they're appropriate for your portfolio. Wow. All right, we could probably talk about this forever, but it's already been a lot of information so maybe we can recap it and tie it all together with our big investment thesis, two-speed investment management. Great idea. So for the recap then, the economy is slowing, valuations are confusing, and lower for longer yield is likely to persist. That means that risks for investors are skewed to the downside. Sounds pretty tough. It's tough, but it's not catastrophic. For, for most investors, we think it's mostly important to focus on capital preservation rather than chasing the last bit of upside that might be out there. That's one of our speeds in the two-speed investment management idea. We're moving the core of our portfolios gradually into lower gear or a more cautious positioning. Implementing it into a portfolio means favoring large caps over small caps, moving up in quality across asset classes, probably avoiding credit, but moving to short-duration credit where you still have exposure and considering long-duration government bonds as a hedge. But that's not to say that you can't consider higher gear opportunities, and that's the second speed of our two-speed investment management thesis. Since recession's unlikely in the short term and economic data will likely be mixed moving forward, we might see more short-term bouts of optimism too. To address that in our portfolios, we're building flexibility to take advantage of those opportunities. That includes considering pro-cyclical equities or emerging market equity when you see sparks of economic growth, or holding cash just to be flexible. This is meant to be a balanced approach to investing that emphasizes income generation, allowing investors to participate appropriately in yield while relying less on price appreciation to add value to their portfolios. Cautious and aware active investing. Well, that's our take on 2020. We'll be back next time for your typical Market Matters podcast. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, or you'd like a deep dive on any of our Outlook topics, hit us up. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com slash blog. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. Happy New Year and happy investing. Our podcast is produced by Milo Venomont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. 
The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.